I am Plot on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Daniel Francis joins me again. The distinguished historian has just published a new book, Becoming Vancouver, A History. It traces Vancouver's story from early habitation by the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations all the way through to today's contemporary geography, economy, and politics. It's a brisk look at Vancouver, but it's often thoughtful, persuasive, and insightful. A number of the characters uh, Dan writes about are colorful and fascinating. He looks at the idea of Vancouver and the tensions between those that might want Vancouver to stay as it is, while others who see its growth and densification as inevitable. He looks at real estate, then and now, and how then as now, it's been the driving force of Vancouver's narrative. Mr. Francis looks at race, whether it's discrimination and violence towards the Chinese or Japanese or Indian. Uh, there, uh, There's the tension between labor and capital, as well as outbreaks of smallpox and influenza, 100 years apart that are of particular interest as we live through the COVID pandemic. We'll also talk about morality in Vancouver uh, through the early part of the 20th century. Daniel Francis has written over 30 books, primarily on Canadian and British Columbia history. He received an award of merit from the Vancouver Historical Society, as well as the prestigious Pierre Burton Award, also known as the Governor General's History Award for Popular Media. Visit danielfrancis.ca for more, as well as his blog. This uh, new book is from Harbor Publishing. This is his fourth appearance on the show. Please welcome back to the Plant Online program, Daniel Francis. Mr. Francis, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Um, I, as I told you just, just, just as we started here, um, how much I enjoyed the book. And um, as, as a bit of a history junkie, what I enjoyed about it was, um, you know, a lot of the stuff I knew, I guess. But um, it was good to uh, go back and um, reread everything, especially in the context of COVID and all the discussions that we're having in this city about uh, where we're headed. Um, Vancouver's always competed, I guess, or, or, or uh, dealt with two competing ideas of, of what the city should be. And, and, and both sides, I guess, if you will, um, have always had strong views. Um, you found throughout the history of the city that these discussions about where we're headed, um, they've always taken place, haven't they? Yeah, they have. I think these two poles, if you will, that you mention are, um, uh, sometimes I sum it up as a bicycle versus car, mm. but you can see the dichotomy in uh, in many different aspects of the city's history. And one, there tends to be two groups, um, if that's not too simplistic, uh, one group that that um, sees what a wonderful location we have mm-hmm. and basically wants to preserve it, pre- um, preserve a, a way of life that I think uh, during the 80s became became known as the livable city. Yeah. And the other that's more interested in attracting foreign visitors, foreign capital development, and taking advantage of the location. Um, to uh, kind of monetize it, if you will. And these two poles have uh, have been at work, I think, since the city was founded in 1886. Yeah, and another great way to put it, you know, as you write in the book, a green city versus a city of glass. Uh, That's right. To borrow that phrase from Copeland. That's right. Um, at the same time, you know, if you think about these two poles, as, as you put it, um, can they coexist, do you think? Uh 
I think I think they they can and they have. There's always tension between them, but it's the tension between them I think that uh, that is uh, a motivator through this through the history of the city. There are other themes, of course, mm-hmm. and I deal with them, but uh, but this is a strong one. And sure, I think they've uh, coexisted uh, for a hundred and however many years the yeah. city's been around. Yeah, and and the enjoyable thing is as I'm reading the book is that that uh, the city is always turned on real estate. It's always a deal. Um, uh, it's always a question of who lives here, who gets to buy here. Um, when haven't we talked about real estate? <laughs> Never. Yeah. I mean, the city was founded as a real estate deal. Um, this the uh, CPR, the the Transnational Railway, when it arrived in uh, 1886. Um, it, previously, it had been given a huge land grant, which covers much of the downtown and much of South Vancouver, um, in return for uh, placing the terminus here. Um, so it begins as a real estate deal, and uh, real estate has been a, a really important factor ever since. Yeah. Uh, another thing that comes up, and you mentioned this already, that the, the, the various tensions that, that come up through the history of the city, um, be they economic or, or racial, um, I'd like to deal with the racial, if you don't mind. Uh, first, um, the animosity towards the vi- uh, and violence towards the Chinese as well as Sikhs uh, in the early part of the 20th century, the, the Chinese going back to the end of, say, the, the um, 19th century. Um, we tend to overlook that, don't we? Um, I mean, there, there, are, there are obviously tensions today. But um, it seems they come in cycles, don't they, that, that they, they keep coming back, and we tend to forget sort of our past, and, and, and we obviously, uh, inevitably, repeat uh, these things, don't we? Yes, I, I think, you know, the image the city has of itself today is as a, a diversity success story, mm-hmm. and it is to a great degree. Um, but yes, uh, back, uh, well, right from the founding of the city, one of the first uh, events in the early days was, a, was an anti-Chinese uh, riot, a mob setting out to drive the Chinese from uh, construction sites in the West End, and it continued for decades afterwards. Um, this fear, irrational though it was, um, because the size of the Asian community never warranted the response um, that uh, white European settlers gave it, yeah. but um, irrational though it was, it was very strong through the 20s, 30s, I mean, Asian people excluded from neighborhoods, excluded from businesses, and and so on. So yeah, it's been a part of the of the history of the city from the very beginning. Um, and and uh, even even the story of uh, Joe Fortes, um, as you write in the book, the, I mean, it's it sort of a, become a myth that that, um, that uh, he is is a black man was uh, beloved in the city, and, and, and though he was, it was not a, a, a universally held uh, view, was it? No, I don't think it was, although we like to tell ourselves yeah. that story. As you say, uh, he's one of the heroes in the city's history. But he was a, uh, a black man um, who who became uh, a swimming teacher down on uh, the English Bay, the mayor of English Bay. Uh, this was in the early years of the uh, 20th century. Um, but I uh, uncovered this interesting scandal in the city yeah. where uh, where uh, the uh, a white woman was accused of swimming in the arms of a black man 
was the quotation from the newspaper, and it led to libel suits and uh, and court cases. And um, it just led me to think that maybe this idea, we always say that when Joe Fortes died, you know, everybody turned out right. for his funeral and so on. It led me to believe that perhaps um, uh, we're gilding it a bit. Yeah. And uh, because certainly, Certainly, as we've already said, the animosity towards uh, other minorities, particularly Asian minorities, was uh, was very strong in the city. Yeah. Uh, a lot of street violence against them, uh, right up until post uh, Second World War period. Indeed, indeed. Um, Tensions between money and labor—that's something that's that's always come up throughout the city's history. Um, when it comes to, to say, um, uh, unions against, say, the, the uh, business in, in the city, um, what role did you find um, the media play, say, in, in heightening those tensions or, or exacerbating those tensions over the years? I mean, uh, in the course of your research, you obviously had to go through to uh, 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 da- databases, newspaper clippings and the sort. What, what have you found in your reading in, in terms of... of um, how that played out, say, amongst the people? Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, certainly, in a, more, in a general sense, uh, the media was very active in the city. Vancouver had a very active newspaper life, um, three and four newspapers more at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I discovered that we had our own kind of Fleet Street down around uh, what's now um, the central area on... on um, on Hastings, right. uh, Victory Square, uh-huh. where uh, the newspapers like the Province and the Sun had offices surrounding the square, because before it was a square, um, it was the provincial courthouse was originally built there, and of course courthouses provide so much of the news. So we had a very contentious uh, newspaper history. Um, different uh, owners hated each other. They represented different political parties, conservative and liberal, and they went at each other uh, hammer and tongs. And there was also a very active labor press, as you mentioned. Um, So the the battles that were fought um, for the eight-hour day and other labor issues, this is uh, pre-World War I'm thinking of now, uh, pre-World War I, um, the battles that were fought had their uh, representatives in the press uh, that fought the, fought on their side. Yeah, yeah, and and a lot of violence too in terms of of. Um, uh, yeah, generally, um, we've talked about the uh, the uh, ethnic violence, um, and there certainly was a, a fair amount of uh, labor violence as well. And generally speaking, um, that's one of the main things that surprised me. I guess uh, doing the book was the contentious. Uh, political life we had in the city. I mean, it's very calm now, and in my lifetime, Uh it's been pretty calm. But uh, early on, um, the uh, people took their their political issues to the street Mm -hmm. in ways that they don't anymore. So, um, as well as the uh, anti-Asian riots, uh, there's certainly, especially during the Depression, I guess, the 1930s, there's certainly been several important um, uh, labor disturbances. Uh, the, main, the main one, I guess, that we think of is in 1935 when the mayor, uh, McGeer, 
uh, went to Victory Square again and read the Riot Act to disperse a, a mob of uh, workers. And then a few years later, the sit-ins at the uh, art gallery mm-hmm. and particularly at the at the post office where workers who were protesting the lack of jobs were evicted very violently uh, by police. So the, this this kind of demonstration in the street uh, was really, really common. Indeed. You mentioned the, the, the post office, which is now, I guess, Sinclair Center. That's right. Um, what is it like for you when you, when you go to, to places like that? Um, because some of these places are still around. Um, to, to see how a building like that, that was once the post office, how that's changed. Yes, I do enjoy walking around the city, um, especially when researching uh, the book. I spent a lot of time wandering around neighborhoods and trying to imagine myself back into those uh, into those times. Vancouver has done a a fairly good job with its with its built heritage. I think it's uh, and this was a this was a legacy, I guess, of the 1970s, maybe when it began with the. with the refurbishment of uh, Gastown, um, at the same time as it's a city that's constantly renewing itself and building, 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 yeah. um, th- there there is a fair amount of uh, built heritage that one can visit to imagine oneself back into those periods. Yeah. At the same time, though, it, um, as, as you read in the book, we, we seem to devour history. That and, and there's this myth that we have no history. Um, uh, we forget quite easily, um, and obviously need a book like yours. Um, there's another book that you talk about in the book, um, Alan Morley's book from Milltown to Metropolis. What did that mean to you growing up? Say, well, I it was on my parents' uh, bookshelf uh, when I was a young teenager, and uh, Morley was a, a Vancouver newspaper man, and. Uh, wrote a series of articles in the 1940s on the history of the city and then uh, much later adapted it uh, into this book, Milltown to Metropolis, which I guess was the, was pretty much the first history of the city. And um, it was also the only book from my parents' bookshelf that I ever read. Mm. And um, so, you know, I wouldn't want to claim that that's why I became a historian or that's why I became a historian of Vancouver. But uh, it, it was certainly piqued my uh, curiosity, and the, the whole idea that Vancouver, the place I was growing up in, maybe was interesting enough to have a book written about it, yeah. I think was the main idea I carried away. Yeah, I read it years ago, and I, I remember enjoying it a great deal. Um, yes, yeah. there's obviously, you know, you wouldn't take it down now necessarily sure. and consider it the last word. There's obviously yeah. things missing from it, but uh, yeah. It, it was a it was a good beginning. Yeah, yeah. It, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? When people say that Vancouver has no history, because of, and, and, and in a certain way it doesn't, because of its uh, sort of youth, if you will. Um, but there yeah, is. I think the, I think the city suffers a bit from its location. Mm. Um, it's the the beauty that surrounds us, and everybody thinks of as being uh, what Vancouver represents: the mountains, the beaches, the oceans. Um, but I think what I'm interested in in this book in particular is to get people to look at the city and not beyond it uh, to its surroundings and to uh, appreciate some of its contradictions and so on. Yeah, okay. I mean, there are a lot of contradictions, especially when you talk about morality in the city, um, it, its views on sex as well as um, liquor over the years. You wrote a marvelous book called Red Light Neon. 
um, on uh, the sex trade in Vancouver. Um, what is it like to, to, to look back at, say, how the city has viewed vice and, and the sort and, and um, this obvious hypocrisy at many times in our history? Yeah, there is, especially in, in, uh, in, in the story of prostitution, I think. It's one of the darker, you know, you can, you can look, I say it suffers from its location. It is such a beautiful location Vancouver has. But uh, there is this darker side to the history that I've always found uh, manifested um, by its treatment of the sex trade and, it, and it, by its treatment of, of uh, people who remember the missing women um, uh, of the uh, 1990s. The downtown east side, um, yeah. On the downtown east side, and uh, for many years, the struggle to get that t- whole situation taken seriously until, um, until the uh, arrest um, of uh, Robert Picton. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's, it's really one of the darker episodes in in the city's history but it's not an aberration i think it it uh it sort of was the worst case of a of an attitude uh as you say a hypocrisy that the city has always had towards its sex trade i mean when the when the city first began it had very few uh tax revenue sources for taxes mm-hmm. and one of the so- main sources was the police would just arrest um prostitutes and there was a there was a fairly well established red light district along uh, East Pender mm-hmm. and um, uh, they would simply arrest prostitutes find them a certain number of dollars and let them go and this was considered just a, a tax on doing business um, so from the very beginning there's this hypocrisy about uh, about the sex trade I mentioned Red Light Neon, which is a marvelous book, and if people uh, listening to us haven't read it, they should. Um, I don't know how long uh, has that book been out, um, what, 15, 20 years or less than that? Uh, gee, uh, maybe about 2006. Yeah, so it's not that uh, not, not that um, uh, long ago, uh, and I read in the acknowledgments of the book that it was banned? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was banned by a bookstore in... Uh, in Carisdale, uh, and also I think that was the one that was banned from the BC Ferries. You know, the oh, BC yeah. Ferries has a special <laughs> BC book section, right? And uh, they refused to carry it. Yeah, there you go. Um, it, it, it doesn't have a very provocative cover, so no. I, I guess it's the subject matter or yeah. uh, that uh, that was found uh, uh, didn't conform to community standards. <laughs> Um, they're marvelous characters that you you give a, show us in in the book. Um, Major Matthews is a wonderful book by uh, Daphne Slay on on her on him. Pardon me. Um, he, he's a real character in in the city's history, a figure of history now himself. But but he dealt with history, didn't he? Yes, he was. Uh, he, in fact, uh, the historian Gene Barman calls him the most important person in the city's history in the sense that he was the first to start collecting mm. information and uh, he created the museum created the archives um, he had his own uh, problems and his own attitudes but he did take um, uh, indigenous people seriously mm. and use them as informants to find out about uh, what was here before the city was created and I think for that he deserves a, a lot of credit 
So, so when I read in your book, uh, Dan, about uh, the, the smallpox outbreak or, or influenza in the in the nineteen eighteen nineteen uh, era of the city's past, I can't draw uh, can't help but draw parallels to, to the COVID situation now. Um, what was it like to, to write uh, about, say, past pandemics and in, in the midst of, of the one we're in now? Yeah, it's a little eerie, isn't it? Yeah. Um, cause, uh, but the interesting thing to me is uh, how quickly the 1919 epidemic disappeared mm. from the story. Um, now, now we've remembered it, I think, a lot because there's been a lot said about it sure. uh, since our own epidemic. But prior to that, you know, you'd very seldom uh, see any mention of it in the history books. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like it didn't happen, even though hundreds of people in the city died, thousands in the province, millions in the country uh-huh. uh, died, and uh, they're still uncertain how many worldwide. But it was a huge event, and yet um, people talk now about uh, how COVID is going to change our future and uh, so on, and the, the whole city will be different. It will be different living in a city after, after COVID. And yet there, in the case of uh, the 1918 epidemic, it seemed to pass away without much impact whatsoever. Yeah, I like what you write, though, at the, near the end of the book, that, that in terms of disruptions, um, in your view of history, this, these past 18 months, 24 months, if you will, um, this has been the biggest disruption in, in, in city life, hasn't it? Yes, I think so. Although, you know, <laughs> you know you, it has looking backwards, looking forwards. Yeah. Who knows where we seem to be heading towards a, a difficult period when climate change will Indeed. wreak havoc uh, on this city and many others. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, there's, there's never um, uh, the, the, the 1918 epidemic doesn't... Uh, doesn't compare, I don't think, in terms of severity, and, I, and there's certainly no other event I think that's had this impact. Yeah. How do you write a book like this? I mean, what, what's your process of research? Um, I'm sure there's a lot that that sort of, sort of gets left out of, of a book like this. Yes, it is, and that's one of the major difficulties deciding what goes in. Because you, I personally, I like a book of about this size. I'm uh-huh. not a big book. Uh, uh, so, and you, you, you need to, um, uh, it's meant for a general audience, eh? yeah. uh, general readers, not academics. Um, so, uh, a lot of it is, you know, is based on research. I've been doing this for a long time, yeah. and um, I started in, on Vancouver specifically with a book I wrote on, um, on Mayor Louis Taylor, right. who's a character in this one, mm-hmm. but I wrote his biography back in I guess 2004, maybe. Um, so, and then the other book you mentioned, Red Light Neon. So, a lot of research. I'm building on a lot of uh, research that I've already done. Yeah, and, and in terms of, of of stuff that gets left out, I mean, uh, you, you could have had a book twice or three times the size of, of this one. Um, there, there is some editing and careful editing that has to be done as a historian in, in, when what writing the, the history of a city like this, right? Yes. Yeah, you, I guess when one has themes one's uh, interested in, uh, we've touched on them, um, the ethnic diversity in the city, the, uh, the ubiquity of, uh, of real estate, property values, um, 
the the difficulties of living, uh, the cost of living, and so on. The continual problems of the downtown east side, at least since the 40s, and uh, attempts to solve that. And um, I guess you you choose certain themes that you think are important and have recurred, and then you build the narrative around those. Inevitably leaving out things, and I'm sure the reviewers will tell me what those are. Yeah. The, um, th- that's a marvelous thing about your book, is that um, you, you write w- with a contemporary lens. Um, but w- uh, w- you mentioned climate change a moment ago, cl- the climate crisis, if you will. Um, you're also looking towards the future, too, aren't you? I, I, historians, I guess, do that, don't they, but w- with, without really knowing that they're doing that. Because when, when you pose these questions about how we're going to live post-COVID even, um, you're looking down the line at how the city will turn out. And, and do you have a sense of, I mean, is history really cycles in, in that? Um, uh, because when we listen to the politicians or we listen to, to people in, in, on social media or in the, in the press, um, it seems we're at a crossroads at, the, at this time. And I guess I'm just someone who wants to know how this story ends, if you will, or how this turns out. Uh-huh. You, well, you won't find it in my book, I don't think. <laughs> but you do pose some marvelous questions about where we're headed. And, and I'm wondering, um, these, are, these are contemporary questions that you're thinking about as you're writing, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, you are. But uh, one of the things about history for me is that it reminds people um, – that those issues that you mentioned that we're living through now are, are um, familiar ones, if one pays attention, that the city has been through things like this before and, uh, um, and tried to deal with, uh, with crises one way or the other. And that's why I think people should be aware of what happened in the city before to remind themselves um, that things that are happening are not necessarily unique the challenges we face are not always unique. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing that I found fascinating um, as I was reading your book, Dan, was um, uh, how much you glean from fiction about Vancouver, whether it's uh, Ethel Wilson, uh, Wayson Choi, Peter Troer. Um, there, there is quite a bit there, isn't there? Yes. I did. The city does have a great literary tradition. And um, the arts generally, and that's one of the things I tried to include it's hard in a book like this um, uh, and of limited length um, to include everything, but I do from time to time try and stop and survey the, the arts scene in the city, and it's had a very vibrant one for a long time, and some of the controversies and so on that have uh, preoccupied artists and writers in the city. As you say, uh, Ethel Wilson, uh, one of our early novelists, uh-huh. um, is one of my favorite uh, novelists, and she wrote a little book about her, a, a thinly disguised memoir, really, about her time growing up in the West End that gave me a lot of material for trying to imagine what life was like pre-World War One in the West End. Yeah, I've never read that book before, and um, it's it's made me, in the course of reading your book, want to read it, because there really are marvelous insights about Oh, good, yes about what life is like. I mean, it really takes you there. And, and um, um, it's such a gift, I guess, that, 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 that fiction can give. That's um, right. And Peter Trower, the poet, mm-hmm. the so-called logger poet, but actually he's an urban writer. He wrote a series of uh, 
sort of gumshoe novel set in the downtown east side, but they're based on uh, his own life living as a as a seasonal logger in in the downtown east side back uh, where at the end of the second world war i guess yeah. so when one can use literature as a source for uh, history indeed um i haven't seen the the uh, knowledge uh, series on on british columbia yet but i've heard only good things about it i understand you're in it is that right i i think i may be i'm i was a, one of the people who acted as a consultant and an advisor mm-hmm. i played a very minor role and i i was interviewed for it and i think i remember that i am a talking head at some point i see well I'll look but i can't it. remember what about <laughs> so i look forward to watching it yeah yeah I, I do too out. yeah are you working on another book now dan uh no, i'm sort of taking a little holiday perhaps yeah. um i but i i am drawn to the uh to a a, a mini uh, part of the story of Vancouver, and that's the arts world in the in the twenties and thirties, mm. uh, when Vancouver was sort of coming of age as an uh, as a center for the visual arts, yeah. Fred Varley and that uh, kind of thing, and the beginning of the art gallery and the beginning of the art school, and uh, so I'm I'm sort of toying with that, but nothing nothing firm. Um, I've always been a big fan of your work, and um, as I told you just before we started, how much I enjoyed this book, and um, I uh, read it off of a screen rather than an actual copy, and um, sometimes, you know, you can't really set a bookmark when you're reading on a, on a screen, um, or I haven't learned how to do that yet, I guess, um, and um, sometimes I just I scroll through and, and start the book at a specific spot, and there was always something that drew me back, even if I'd read it already. Um, congratulations on this book, Dan, and, and continued good luck with it. It's been nice chatting again. Well, thanks, Joe. I really appreciate it. The website for more is at danielfrancis.ca. The book is called Becoming Vancouver a History. It is published by Harbor. Its author, Dan Francis, joined me on the line from North Vancouver in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plato.